Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Rustin Grau, yes. one of my favorite people in the world. Thank you for being here. Of course, how are you? Thanks, thanks for being on the Mike Litton Experience. Yes. I appreciate you. This is wonderful. So as you know, as we talked about, everybody has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. Mm -hmm. So with your permission, what we'd like to do is we'd like to start with where you were born. Yeah. Where were you born? I was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, I know that place. Yes, good place. <laughs> um, born uh, October 3rd, 1981 yeah. um, at Mercy Hospital, which ironically, um, my two nephews have been born in that same hospital. That's awesome. So yeah, I've got family back there. But yeah, born in Oklahoma City, raised in Edmond, yeah. North Oklahoma City. Um, until I was about 12. Okay. Um, and then moved to Tucson okay. for a little less than two years. Okay. And then out here to San Diego for high school. Okay. So what made you move from Edmond to Tucson? So my dad works in biomedical. Okay. Um, that would make sense. Yeah, he was on the road for most of my childhood. Okay. So, you know, flying two, three times a week. He represented the southeastern um, area of the country. Gotcha. Doing service, not sales. Okay. And then, you know, every summer, um, we would pack up the car and hit the road for six weeks with awesome. him. So it was, you know, Disney World, it was Atlanta, it was, cool. you know, long throw road trips. Yeah. And dad was working, but you know, it was, you Fun. know, my, my older brother, my older sister, mom and I, and the 1988 Caprice Classic yeah, wagon. Yeah. Yes, that, you know. Yeah, had, the, had the jump seat in the back yep. that was backwards, so yep. yeah, I saw most of America. That was one of the coolest station yeah. wagons ever built. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, they stopped building them, That's and then awesome. we all had minivans. So Tucson to San um, Diego. To San Diego mm -hmm. was so you were in Tucson for two years, and then San Diego for high school. Yes. Where'd you go to high school? Not come out. Okay. So go Sun Devils. Okay. Yeah. So what was your favorite thing about growing up in Oklahoma? Um, you know, I grew up in a very tight knit neighborhood yeah. that, you know, um, Oklahoma Christian University where I went to was down the street from okay. our house. And so our subdivision, so many of the parents worked there. My okay. mom worked there, um, when I was in fourth through sixth grade. Okay. Um, a lot of my friends' parents were professors there or oh, faculty okay. or staff. And so they were associated with the university. Yeah. All of our families knew each other through church. We knew each other through the neighborhood. So it was, you know, this would have been the mid, late 80s, early mm -hmm. 90s, but it was very much a throwback to where it felt like Mayberry. It gotcha. felt like small town that, you know, you were at somebody's house, somebody was at your house. Um, I have 27 first cousins. Wow. Most of them living in Oklahoma. 
My goodness. So, you know, I just grew up in this very big community around yeah. me. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, what was your favorite thing about going to high school in, in San Diego? Yeah, Mount, Mount Carmel or Interpenasquitas, it was a new experience. Okay. You know, um, you well, know, different than Oklahoma. Well, and that was it. You know, I mean, culturally, it was very different yeah. because growing up in Edmond, north of Oklahoma City, where, you know, my my community that I grew up with didn't have a whole lot of diversity. Right. Like I said, we we lived together. Our parents worked together. We went to church together. You know, it was very much a a you know unique community that everybody was similar. Yeah. So moving into um, Rancho Penasquitas, where there's a lot of diversity, yeah. there's a lot of new people to meet, new cultures to learn about, new foods to eat, new traditions, you know, going over to my, my friend's homes uh, that were Filipino yeah. and being like, okay, there are different traditions in this house. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And so that was- And I love Filipino food. food, by the way. Yes. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was new and it was exciting and it was different. And I was, you know, a freshman in high school. Yeah. So it was that time where you're you're learning, um, you know, how to be you. Yeah. And so to be able to have those new experiences was great. Yeah, so we moved out here halfway through my eighth grade year. Okay. So like literally almost exactly the same time in my life that you, you know, right? Um, and it really was a culture shock. I mean, I had an Oklahoma accent and yes. nine yards, and man, did I get a lot of ribbing for that. You, you know? know, I had Tucson as a buffer yeah. to, to kind of break that Oklahoma accent where, you know, I showed up to Tucson and it was, you know, fixing two and fur. And, you yeah. know, uh, and in Tucson, I, I would say it's good. It's half Southern California, half Oklahoma anyway. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so not to rip on Tucson too Well, that helped though. I mean, exactly. it helped to have that two years, to, yes. right? That's cool. So, so you go to school in, in Mount Carmel. What was your favorite subject at Mount Carmel? Uh, I was band kid, and the bands in the Poway Unified School District were top notch. Yeah. Between Poway Unified, Rancho Bernardo, they hadn't split, you know, Penasquitas into different high schools yet. So we had, you know, four hundred and twenty kids in the marching band. Yeah. And it's interesting because my kid, my oldest, my daughter's twelve. So I've got a 12, eight and six year old. So my daughter's 12, she's now in seventh grade and she's joining band. Wow. And so she's she's a music kid. She's in San Diego Children's Choir, piano, everything else. But just hearing her get interested in it mm -hmm. brings back, you know, kind of those 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 feelings, those feels yeah. that I, you know, you and I, I remember being 12. Yeah. You know, I remember being 13. I remember being a band kid and getting yeah. into it and being like, oh, there's, there's a lot of talent in this room and I'm not part of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that it, it was a good, healthy competition. I got some stepping up to do. Exactly, that and that, you know, the programs were taken seriously and that it was fun. Yeah. And it was supported by the school, by the parents, by the teachers. Were you all pregnant with your daughter when we met? Yes. So. Wow. Yeah. So she is in seventh Wow, grade. she's 12 now? Uh-huh. So. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is, yeah. Wow. I know, I've, I've hit that point in parenthood where I'm by far no means of an expert. But, you know, whenever you become a new parent, you hear everybody say, you know, cherish those moments, because, mm -hmm. you know, it goes by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm knee-deep in diapers and, mm -hmm. you know, broke and everything. That's terrible, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and now here she is, you know, 12. 
and I'm like, no, no joke. Yeah. Like it happened in 15 minutes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I gave up radio in 2014 because my kids were going into yeah. high school and I wanted to go chase them. Yes. You know, and that was a really, really tough decision, but I don't mm -hmm. regret doing it. No. You so, know, I mean, they're only that age once. Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, when, when my kids were young, I worked overnight hours, mm -hmm. um, which was, you know, I, I applaud, I remember those days, I applaud <laughs> anybody who does it, you know, that third shift, it's a hard shift, Yeah. but for being a parent and, you know, yeah, you're going to be tired anyway, but to be able to be there, um, to, I mean, make lunch, yeah. um, take them to and from, pick them up from school. Um, it, it, it's a magical time that I'm glad I got to have. It's a big, big time. Yeah. It really is. So that first time you invited me on the Channel 8 News. Yes. That first time was Madison's first day at school. Oh, wow. And <laughs> so I go home that night, right? Yeah. And she goes, Dad. I said, yeah. She goes, I started school today. And I said, yeah, I knew that. And she goes, they were calling roll. And they called out Madison Linton. And the girl next to me that I had never met before said, is your dad Mike? And she goes, yeah. She goes, my mom totally saw your dad on television. <laughs> That's awesome. She's like, yeah. dad, that was so cool. Cause she didn't hardly know anybody yeah. in that school, you know? So that was kind of awesome. Nice. <laughs> so, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no. So, so high school Mount Carmel yep. band is the, is the big, big deal, band right? It's the big deal. And you leave, you graduate Mount Carmel, then where, where do you go? I went back to Oklahoma. Went okay. to Oklahoma Christian, um, which was the university I grew up near and around. Right. Um, it was, that makes sense. It was interesting. My brother and I kind of flip-flopped. My, my brother's six years older than I am. So when we left Oklahoma, mm -hmm. he was a senior in high school. Yeah. So he graduated from there and had enough Oklahoma and said, I need some California. So we left and went to Pepperdine. There you go. So he was at Pepperdine for four years. And my parents were like, hey, we're moving right next to you. Yeah. So uh, we moved out here. And then, you know, I graduated here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right. I'm going to go back. So I went back to Oklahoma and my parents decided to go to Texas, which was so close enough. What did you major in in college? I majored in, I started with a small music scholarship, but I knew from the time that I was in fourth grade that I wanted to work in some kind of media. Okay. Um, uh, I wanted to be a weatherman. Okay. Uh, I am a certified meteorologist. That's cool. Um, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. So I went to Oklahoma Christian uh, majoring in broadcast journalism, okay. uh, mass communications. Um, and it it was a good program. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a blessing there because our building had burned in an arson fire the year before I got there. Wow. Um, and so um, that wasn't the blessing. But, you know, the insurance <laughs> money came in and they built an all new facility. Mm -hmm. And so you have this small private Christian liberal arts school that has some of the best stuff in the country. I mean, really this was the year 2000 and we all had laptops that were on Wi-Fi. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this was 23 years ago yeah. and now this is normal, but back mm -hmm. then, you know, everybody was walking around with a little blue wire and yeah. trying to find a port and everything else. And we had these giant, you know, servers that would be up on the wall that were, you know, two by two foot box and they hummed and everything else. But I'm at a university that has campus-wide Wi-Fi 23 years ago. That's amazing. And so, that is so cool. So that was fun. But then being in media, you know, that was our experience. Yeah. I mean, there were still schools at that time that were, you know, recording on, 
tape yeah. and you know working off of typewriters um, yeah. electric typewriters but no and so we had you know we had an hd edit bay we had all of this amazing professional level equipment that we got to learn on and it was great that's cool yeah yeah it's, i tell people all the time if you look hard enough you'll find positives from Absolutely. anything negative you know so, that's yeah. cool that is a blessing yeah and then graduated from there and then started working at the nbc affiliate in town well at the same time um started at mississippi state okay um you know um distance learning and did three years in that program um to get my meteorology certification okay so it took three years at mississippi state while you were and you were working full-time correct okay yes that's so, that's a lot yeah so um yeah it's that busy time after after college where you're getting established you're yeah. paying your own bills got married at the same time you know that it it, it was a busy time and then I had kids, and that seemed easy. Easy, yeah, you know? right. <laughs> By comparison, yeah, yeah, right. And the bills got bigger. Yeah, you know, yeah. everything gets bigger, right? Exactly. So houses get bigger, the whole thing. Yes. So, um, so meteorology school, you're cert, you're so you're a certified meteorologist, mm -hmm. and so Mississippi State, so you're a bulldog, yes. right? Oklahoma Christian University. Mm -hmm. You work at the NBC affiliate. Yes. And how long were you at the NBC affiliate in Oklahoma City? I was there for two and a half years. Um, I had, it's an interesting story. So I started my internship there in August or September. Okay. And I had been an intern, just, you know, kind of basically around the newsroom, ripping scripts, helping, um, you know, move tape or whatever, you know, newsroom intern. I mean, yeah. I, I made a couple pizza runs. <laughs> and I'm about four weeks into my internship and I'm going in doing 15 hours a week. And the uh, managing editor slash assistant news director at the time pulls me aside and says, hey, you're local, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, uh, you have family in town? And I said, yeah. Where's this going? And he said, well, are you staying here for Christmas? And I said, yeah. He goes, you want a job? <laughs> I said, excuse me? He goes, you want a job? And I said, well, sure. And he goes, because we need somebody to sit the assignment desk in the newsroom Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. We called it the Santa shift. Oh, there and you I go. said, oh, the Santa shift? He said, yeah, you two are the only ones up working. Oh, yeah. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the G version. Of right, 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 right. So, <laughs> um, so I walk out of his office and yeah. he, he rolls his chair up there. He goes, hey, you going to ask how much it pays? <laughs> and I go... I don't care. I don't care. This is it's my, been my first job. Yeah, this is my breakthrough, baby. Yeah, I got my internship because I'm going to work the Santa shit. So, sure. Yeah. So, I think. Did you have to wear a red suit? No, beard? no. I just, no. just sat there and listened to nothing happening on the scanners and held down the newsroom. Wow. So, and then I was there for two and a half years. I went from uh, assignment desk uh, to writing to producing, to producing their morning show. Um, and I loved it. And yeah. then I was also the severe storms producer. Mm -hmm. So got to use, you know, some of what I was learning uh, through meteorology at the school at the time. And then, you know, through that, um, I actually reconnected with my high school sweetheart. Okay. And so um, Ashley and I started talking again. We didn't talk for five and a half years through oh, wow. college. And I called her dad to talk football. And he said, why don't you give Ashley a call? And I said, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> um, so, so the next day I sobered up and I gave her a call. And, you know, we just started talking. And again, I, you know, when Ashley and I first met, I was 14, she was 12. 
I just moved mm-hmm. out of here. And, you know, we went to prom together. We dated for probably about a year in high school. I'm just, I loved her, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't talk for five and a half years. In that conversation, boom. Wow. And so cool. immediately after that, we started, you know. Was she out here? She was out here okay. in San Diego. Okay. I was out in Oklahoma City. So we just began discussing, you know, how is this going to work? Right. You know, what are we going to do with our lives? And I ended up taking a job with the NBC affiliate out here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, moved out here and we were married within a year. And wow. yeah, just a, just an interesting kind of experience. So you moved from from Oklahoma City, the NBC affiliate there, to the NBC affiliate out here. Yes. Right? And how long are you at that at that? I was there for station? about another two and a half, three years. Okay. Uh, Simon editor, uh, writing, doing some weather producing. And then there was a a project called NBC Weather Plus. Okay. Um, I love that project. Um, you know, I can defend it all day if you want me to. I think it was about 10 to 12 years ahead of its time. Okay. It was the first digital network. So oh, remember, okay. you, you would go to Best Buy, or I mean, we've been here forever. You had an incredible universe of fries. Yeah. And you go and you buy that new TV at Christmas. Yeah. And you bring home that giant HD TV mm-hmm. that weighs 500 pounds. You put it in your house and you're like, what are these dot two channels? Mm-hmm. I thought I only got, you know, a, a, a channel seven or 39 or something. Right. But there's these dot two channels. What are we doing here? So that was when they split, you know, the HD signal and you would have a dot two channel. And so Weather Plus was NBC's dot two. Okay. And so you'd have regular NBC over the air, but then you had this magical HD channel that was live weather. Yeah. And it was free and it was digital. And then we, we started putting out our websites. It was the first kind of streaming channel. And this was 04, 05, 06. Wow. That this was up and running. So this was way ahead of us. Yes, time. I didn't say, you know, we had the name down. We put plus in something. And right. Everything's got plus in front right, of it. Right, exactly. It was, so this was Weather Plus. And so Ashley and I got married in 06. So I think in 07. They had a producer opening. They were based in Jersey at the CNBC building. And they they had a producing opening. And I said, this is great. This is news, which I've been doing for years at this point. Right. This is producing that I'm good at. Weather. This is weather. Right. So. This is your wheelhouse. Right. No, this yeah. is the best job I ever had. Yeah. Um, so I applied and the hiring manager called me back and said, this is great. We've been looking for somebody like you. And I said, I so it. what does that mean? And they said, you got the job. So I had to go home and look at Ashley and I said, hey, guess what? We're moving to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, we've never been to New guess Jersey. What? Yeah. We haven't even talked about this. <laughs> I mean, this went from the conversation of, hey, honey, I applied for a job right. to, like, maybe four days later. Oh, like, my goodness. Like, you know. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is a thing. <laughs> so we packed it up and moved there, you know, probably three days before Christmas. Oh, wow. And, and I mean, it was it was a shock. And, oh, you know, going from, I mean, we literally left San Diego in shorts and flip-flops. And took three and a half days and drove across the country to uh, where we were, New Jersey, yeah. 
and got out of our little pathfinder and our feet hit the ground and our flip flops went into the snow. Yeah. And we were like, what did we do? Right. And so we were out there for about two and a half years. A little bit of a shock. Which was enough New Jersey, enough East Coast for me. So you no, nothing against it, yeah. you know, but like my, uh, my father-in-law says, if the pilgrims would have landed on the West Coast, the East Coast would still be a forest. <laughs> so. He's not wrong. Oh, no. no. I love that. But Oh, wow. That is, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so you move out there. That's quite a shock. Yes. Right? And you're out there two and a half years. Yes. And it sounds like you're missing California, like when you step out of your, out of your forerunner, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so you're like, okay. I gotta be, I gotta be thinking about my, my, my way back. Yeah. And I mean, that was, you know, Ashley and I've been married two and a half, three years. Yeah. We were getting into the twilight of our twenties. Yeah. Um, and, and said, you know what, let's, let's, let's figure out life again, yeah. you know, a couple years earlier, it's like, okay, we have jobs, we have different States. What are we going to do? What are we yeah. going to figure out? And then, you know, saying we, we want a family, we want to be parents, we want to be near family, we want, you know, that, that cliche of, you know, going to school, mm -hmm. um, going to church, you know, raising our family. Yeah. Um, and we said, we're not going to do that out here. Yeah. So. Not in Jersey. No. And, and fortunately, the way it worked out is, you know, this would have been the recession. So, yeah. 08, 09. Yeah. Um, so I had the privilege of getting laid off not once, but twice. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> wow. I think everybody got laid off at one point there. Um, oh and it was a gosh. good opportunity to just push us back. Yeah. And so we were able, you know, we are blessed to have an opportunity to come out here. True. And we've been here ever since. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you got laid off twice. Yes. And so you're looking for a job and you end up finding one out here. At yes. KFMB. Before that, I was at Channel 6. Okay, so Channel 6 first. Channel 6, then Channel 8, KFMB for five and a half years. Right. And that's and where we met. That's where we met. Yep. And uh, you always light up our morning whenever you came in. Well, and, thank you. Yeah, it was great. And then from there. Dan and I had great energy. Yes. Dan. We just. Dan and Michelle, they were great. We just team. completely hit it off. Yeah. yeah. So love Michelle. Then we, I, I took a job at uh, KNSD. Mm -hmm. So went back to where you know I had been, and it, it was it was an interesting kind of homecoming because yeah. so many of the people that I had worked with were still there. Yeah, um, which was nice because you know it was it's a local station, it yeah. has a local feel. That the people that are there, we have some folks that come in. You know they're they're going to come in from Tucson, Phoenix, Vegas, wherever move up to San Diego, move up to LA, you know, move up to network. So we do have a good amount of folks that pass through, but at the right. same time, we've got folks, you know, 30, 44 years mm -hmm. that have raised their families in this community that know the issues that San Diego cares about. And know the history, yeah. Yes, because they're San Diegans mm -hmm. and, and can point to, you know, how we got to where we are now. Yeah. Um, so, I enjoy that about that newsroom, yeah. and so uh, it's a good group. It really been back is. there for seven years now, um, and you know, about four years ago, moved into management, um, which is different. You yeah. know, um, and so was an executive producer, and then earlier this year became managing editor. Yeah, that's so, cool, man. Congratulations. Thanks. Very well deserved. Yeah, it's uh, thank you. It's it's different. Um, 
I've, I've learned, you know, I, I enjoy management. My dad spent a majority of his career in it. Right. So listening to those conversations of coming home and talking about issues and talking about people and talking about, you know, what other people are facing in their lives and yeah. their work and everything else in that it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And I love it just being able to build a product, build an audience, build a newscast, but build relationships um, with my coworkers. Yeah. It, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it's a good group. It really is. Um, okay, so you're so you're at seven thirty nine. You're now the managing editor. Mm -hmm. So you're basically running the whole show. Sometimes, well, no. <laughs> right? No. But you're basically running I, the show. I, I manage our content. Yeah. So you know, it's it's what you know. We have an editorial meeting in a in a room like this. You mm -hmm. know, we've got a we've got a table with eighteen chairs. At okay. It. And we meet at nine a.m. and it's you know like any other industry, what are we going to do today? Yeah. And it's like, well, here are the issues that we, we want to know about. Here's the answers that we want to get. Here's the fun things that we want to cover. Here's the good things that are happening in our community. Here's the bad things that are happening in our community that we, we work for San Diego. Right. We don't have an agenda. We don't have, um, you know, a preconceived notion of what we're going into doing that day. Um, obviously, we have some planning. We have some long-term pieces, but you know, we are we are big enough to cover the issues that San Diego wants to know about. We're nimble enough to be able to turn on a dime. Yeah. And being a duopoly, um, I think you know, you know, not to plug the station too much, but I don't know if people realize at home that you know we are Telemundo Twenty and NBC Seven. Yeah. We are in the same newsroom. We are having the same editorial meeting. That this is one newsroom with two different voices. Right. And to be able to take up an issue like Title 42, mm -hmm. really was a huge story for the nation, big yeah. story for San Diego, uh, big story for a lot of people. And be able to explain that issue mm -hmm. um, in two different voices. Yeah. Of, okay, what does it mean to our different audiences? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was just an interesting opportunity to be able to be in one newsroom and, and handle that situation. Yeah, so Title 42 was a big deal and you guys handled it really well. The other thing that I felt like you handled really well and I feel like Telemundo was a part of it, a big part of it, was when COVID hit and they shut down the border. Yeah. Because there were a lot of people that we worked with and next week, the following week, we weren't working with them anymore because they were stuck in Mexico. That was, you know, our newsroom was the same way. That took some real that took some real balance on your part yeah. to sort of navigate all that, and I thought you all did a phenomenal okay. job with that. Yeah, um, you know, I think. I mean, I'm biased, of course. I'm one of your biggest fans. You know well, that. Thank you. The uh, the but I, you did do a good job. The pandemic <laughs> the, the pandemic was interesting because I think it helped leapfrog our industry yeah. 15 years forward. Yeah. That you know we. We realized that when we need to talk to a, a real estate expert, mm -hmm. you know, an investing expert, that, yeah, we would love to drive up to your office and sit there and set up our camera and bring it in and everything else. But at the same time, it's fire up your ring light, mm -hmm. get on StreamYard or QuickLink or Zoom or whatever, and let's talk. Yeah. That the amount of information and experts that we were able to, to connect with and still connect with um, has really been amazing. And I think that's every industry that you know you are 
so close to the top experts, engineers, researchers, doctors in their field. Mm -hmm. And so as journalists, being able to know who to go to yeah. and, and that we can turn it around so much quicker. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So I thoroughly enjoyed the interview that I did with one of your reporters. We, we met out where the, um, where the Encinitas um, statue is, the, yeah. the um, surfing, what do they call him? I forget what they Card call him. Cart of Kook? Yeah, Kook, yeah, yes. there you go. So we met out there and um, and it went really well. You know, it was it was out in the open and, and it was cool. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool. So, all right, so growing up, who was the most influential person in your life? I'm gonna say, you know, I mean, it, it has changed throughout my life. Okay. Um, that's me stalling for more time to get That's okay, answer. that's okay. Um, no, it really is my dad. Okay. You know, that, and, and, and even in adulthood and, you know, parenting, it's my dad. Yeah. Uh, being able to see uh, the hard work, the sacrifices that he's made, um, the dedication to his family, and, you know, those magical moments that you build out with your parents or your mentor or different people in your life that you know it it's not the big conversations that you sit down and have it's the everyday moment everyday everyday events that turn into moments yeah yeah it's true and it's that's parenting right yes and it's your dad parenting you and then you parenting your kids yes and then you're reporting back to your dad about yeah. here's here's what they just did here's what just happened Everything. right my dad has this knack. Um, he's, he's an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, he's an engineer, he's a manager, worked in biomedical, and he's always had a project. He's always been a project person that you go out into his garage and, I mean, workbench, you know, the classic workbench covered in paint and loose screws with a vice over here, um, old AM radio blasting KTOK mm -hmm. on, on it. The, the fluorescent light that hangs from the top of the garage with the orange extension cord coming across. And there was always a project, whether it was our Pinewood Derby cars, um, whether it was working on speakers or building something, he always had a project. And it was great because yeah. you could walk out there and you could sit down and he, he, would, he would learn, he would teach you something um, at work, you know? I mean, the work was project-based. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with, with kids, we, you know, my brother and sister and I would talk about, you know, which, which one of us were the project child for my right. dad, you know? And so right. there was always projects going on in the house. We had a, um, a neighbor that, that gifted us, slash gave us his old pinball machine. Ooh. This was, a, I think, like a 1967 Gulfstream game made by Williams. I mean, it was huge. It was yeah. the size of a horse. Yeah. And so this thing ended up in our garage, and it worked. But you know, some of the uh, the servos were out, and I mean, again, this was not a new pinball machine. Right. This was the, the one where you you open the board and all the electronics are in there, and it's just amazing. And and him ordering the new the new flippers, the new bumpers, the, the new everything to get this thing just up and running, and we played that thing for another fifteen years. Yeah. And it's several hundred thousand yes, miles on it, and then you put another few hundred thousand on it. Yes. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, the cars were projects. It was always projects. Yeah. Our neighbors probably thought we were junky, but you know, yeah. we were working on stuff. There you go. Yeah. So my dad told me when I was when I was 18, he said, you're looking at me like I'm an idiot right now, but one of these days I'm gonna be a genius in your eyes. <laughs> and I had to call him a few years ago and tell him he made genius level, yes. you know? Yes. That was one of those really interesting moments, man. Yes. So let me ask you this. What's your favorite thing about what you do for a living? I like being able to connect with people. Yeah. And and I'm I now that I'm in management, I'm one more kind of step removed from it. But you know, I'll give you an example of a story today. Sure. And you know, it's it's not a happy story, but it's a San Diego story. There was a fire this morning in Lemon Grove. Okay. And inside this three bedroom home were eleven people living in this home. Oh my goodness. And they these are folks that you know, in my opinion, they're either on their way up or on their way out, you know, on their way down. That, you know, you have 11 people that are renting spaces inside a home yeah. in Lemon Grove at $150 a month. Wow. Not, not renting rooms, renting spaces. Yeah. And it's a roof over their head. Mm -hmm. And the guy that, that owns this house, um, he lives there, you know, the, he's taking the money from the people that are there and, you know, trying to put a roof over their head, put it towards his mortgage or sharing in the cooking and the groceries and everything else. He catches fire. Hmm. And these 11 people that didn't have a whole lot to begin the day with right. have even less to end it with. Right. And the Red Cross will help them. But, you know, they are you know, one house fire away from being on the streets of San Diego. Yeah. And, and there's so many factors that go into that of housing prices, mm -hmm. bureaucracy over programs, um, you know, personal life choices, that there's so many factors that are unique to San Diego, but at the same time not, that puts 11 people in one house in Lemon Grove that now are 11 people without a house mm -hmm. because of a fire. Yeah, and where in the world are you gonna find a place for $150 a month? Right. And so, you know, it's one of those that, you know, personally, am I impacted by it? No. Um, you know, um, internally and spiritually, I'm impacted, yes, because I feel for these people. I think we all do. And this is not, you know, we can talk policy all day, but mm -hmm. for these 11 people, this is a people problem. This is a housing problem now. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you what the solution is. Um, that's not my job. Yeah. My job is to say, there are 11 people that now don't have a home anymore. Right, this is a problem. And, you know, because of our work, that you know about this, the, the viewers know about this, the readers know about this, it's gonna be on your Instagram feed. You know what's happening in these neighborhoods. This is not just the block that it impacts anymore. That, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people in that situation. Um, and so just being able to share those stories. Yeah. So, so I walked a property yesterday. I walk mm -hmm. properties all the time, you know that. And I walked a property yesterday and, and Monday, 
my 23 year old or 23 year old daughter came to work with me. Yes, yeah, Monday was her first Congratulations. day. Congratulations. Yeah. So my goodness, right? Um, you know you can't fire her. And no, well, no. And, but but she was talking about quitting today um, because apparently working for dad is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, dad. You know, right? Um, and she told my my wife this afternoon, her mother, that um, her top of her head was about to blow off. Um, because apparently dad is a lot, you know, anyway. Um, but I was, I was explaining to her that, um, there are certain electrical panels that are fire hazards. And when you come across these particular electrical panels, you, they're going to get called out. The home inspector is going to call them out the whole thing. And so one of the things that we do is, is we let buyers know this is a Zensco panel. It's, it's already, you know, it was a class action lawsuit. It's already been judged to be fire hazard, all that. And it really, it has to be replaced. Here's the thing. You have any idea how many houses I've walked that have, that have Zinsco panels and still do, still do this day? No. They're literally fire hazards, man. And there were millions of them. Uh, there's millions I'm of them. I'm gonna check my one. There's millions home. of them out there right now. <laughs> wow. Well, I can check it if yeah. you'd like. But it's, but it's one of those things where it's a safety thing, yeah. right? And it's something that people don't realize, they don't realize it's going on. I, the other a few years ago, I got a call from a home inspector. Home inspector said there's something seriously wrong with this house, mm -hmm. and he was calling me because I was the broker of an office that was representing the buyer. Yeah. And he was calling me because he couldn't get a hold of my agent. So he reached out to me and he said, "Listen, I know you by reputation, and I know that this is not something that you're going to let go unnoticed." And I said, "Okay, talk to me. What's going on?" There was an addition that was made. And when the addition was made, the wiring was not run correctly. And so this flipper came in and bought the place and they put, they put copper wire in the extra added room and introduced it into an environment of aluminum wire. Well, when you do that, the aluminum wire catches fire in the, in the wall. So he went to test the outlet and the outlet caught fire and his tester caught fire. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he called me and he said, listen, I know exactly what this is. I know exactly what's happening. And he said, your people should cancel. Okay. So I called the, I called the flipper and I said, listen, you know, we actually know this person. I've known him for years. Yeah. I called him up and I said, listen, we've known each other a long time. I've got a buyer that we're representing that's, that's, you know, my agent's representing that is, is in escrow on your place. And this just happened. And his response to me was, those are the chances they take. That's why you hire a home inspector. Not, Mike, we're gonna come over and rip it out and make right. it right. It was, this is, this is a risk that, they're, that they take, and when you guys cancel, we're just gonna put it on the market and sell it again. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. No. That's not a good response, no. right? And you can imagine what I did with that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so fire hazards, unfortunately, are a big, with housing, with housing is a big deal. And that many people living in that house, it probably overloaded the system and caused an electrical fire, and that's what caused the, the thing to burn. That's what's going on yeah, right now. I mean, There's a lot of houses out there that have 100 amp, that have 100 yeah. amp um, panels, and they need 200 nowadays. Yeah, no, it's a possibility. Um, it's like you turn the, it's like you, you go in your bathroom and you turn on the hair, the hair, um, the hair dryer. Yes and it flips a switch and all of a sudden you don't have power in half your house that's a problem yeah people so, don't realize it because they just go flip the switch right yes so anyway yeah um yeah. Go down rabbit no uh, absolutely I, no, just, i'm getting to check my i'm getting to, I'm getting to go take a picture it's right. take a picture and send it to me <laughs> take a picture and send it to me 
Um, but it's so, but you know, Zenscope panels are something that need to be replaced because they're absolutely fire hazards and they were found in court to be a fire hazard. Okay. Um, and so, you know, so that's, it's just one of those things that, that when you were telling me, when you were telling me about it, it just happened to pop in my mind. You can't imagine how many of those I've seen over the years. And I'm talking hundreds of them. Yeah. And, you know, when I see them, I just get a chill because I know that that's a silent, potential silent killer. Yeah. So there, anyway. There's a story I want to do here in San Diego um, that I think is a uniquely San Diego story. And, you know, please help me find the cul-de-sac for this. That for so many people here, it's not what you bought, it's when you bought. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ashley and I, you know, with your guidance, we benefited mm -hmm. from, you know, our housing journey. We're on our, we, we've moved three times mm -hmm. in the last 10 years, um, each time moving up. And so, you know, you have my in-laws who live on this cul-de-sac and we're in the Fletcher Hills area, maybe 15 homes on it. Mm -hmm. They bought their house in 1986 mm -hmm. and they paid you know 289 and they've been in it ever since mm -hmm. the house across the street sold 18 months ago for 1.6 mm -hmm. so you know you have these neighborhoods where people have different economic backgrounds mm -hmm. different ages are all living next to each other mm -hmm. because of the timing of the market and i would just love to be able to go into one of these streets and talk to every homeowner in that block saying, you know, what's your monthly payment? Because you have neighbors living next to each other where somebody's paying $400 on a, you know, 28 year old refi mm -hmm. living next to somebody that's probably paying $6,400 mm -hmm. And they're neighbors. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's just an interesting, I think it's a unique San Diego thing that you have houses that somebody bought for $200,000 right next to the house that somebody bought for 1.2. Yeah. And the houses are not different. Yeah. No, that, I mean, you know, they are the same. That, you know, we had a guy that we went to church with that grew up in, uh, didn't grow up, he, he bought two post World War II houses in Alley Gardens. Mm -hmm. $40,000 for them. Mm -hmm. And the the families moving in next door are paying eight sixty. Yeah. You know, so it's just an interesting dynamic here. Yeah. So it's so I've got the cul-de-sac for you, All right. um, and I actually have a few of them. Um, okay. So that that is a unique San Diego thing. You know, um, it's it's true in other in other places, but it's not as true as it is here. Only because, like, and for people that don't know, we actually, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but I did a podcast about you. Oh, oh, oh boy. Okay. Right, so we, we did a podcast, <laughs> we did a podcast called Mike Time. Yeah. And we talked about the conversation that you and I had, um, where you called me, I think it was last year, and you said, Mike, we just have to thank you. Yeah. And it got me. I mean, it really got me. And it was one of those things, you know, in 2011 when we met, you had called me because of a newswire that you had received mm -hmm. where where it said that sales were up but values were down yes and you called me off my radio show and you said how is this possible and i said well actually it's very simple 47 percent of all the closed transactions at the time i remember this conversation like it was yesterday yes. um were either were either short sales or bank owned properties mm -hmm. and the bank was the entity that was making the decision on what they sold for the banks have lowered their their prices enough 
it was a business decision for them, but they had lowered their prices enough to where owner occupants jumped in and so did investors and prices. So prices went down and sales went up and you, would, and you said, perfect. Will you come on Thursday morning and we'll have Dan Cole, our anchor interview live on, on channel eight. Yes. And that was such a big deal. And it was such a cool experience, right? The thing is you walked me out to my car. And when you walked me out to my car, you said, Hey, Ashley and I are, are pre-approved. We're ready to buy a place, but we've been putting it off because everybody's telling us not to. You just told Dan that the best advice for buyers is if you can buy now. Mm -hmm. Did you, and I'm like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have said it if I didn't believe it. Right? Yes. And then you go out and buy and you did okay. Oh, so we, you know, you and I had that conversation and I mean, Ashley and I have been, you know, we, we've been very blessed because we uh, we jump first and think later. You know, <laughs> taking a job in Jersey. Right. Um, Foot flops in the snow. Yes. <laughs> yes. So literally. Um, so we, uh, you and I talked and Ashley and I, you know, we're living in a two bedroom apartment in Tierra Santa. Mm -hmm. um, Emma was a couple months old. So I mean, maybe two months old. So she was brand new. Yeah, and you know, we I borrowed 2,000 bucks from my parents for a down payment. She had had something, you mm -hmm. know? And we bought the second place that we looked at, mm -hmm. which was a 1,100 square foot condo over in San Carlos. Mm -hmm. that we loved, I mean, it was our first home, we loved it. And it was uh, a bank owned, mm -hmm. and I mean, they were ready to offload that thing so quick mm -hmm. that, I mean, it just happened that, you know, 30 days later, we're sitting there moving furniture and we're like, what happened? Mm -hmm. And we got in on that place and we were there two years. Mm -hmm. And then you called me and you said, hey, big kahuna. I said, what? He said, sell your house. <laughs> what? You said, sell your house. And I returned and looked at Ashley and said, hey, Mike called. He says, we got to sell in the next two weeks. <laughs> I said, why? He said, because he did. <laughs> All right. So we've been in this thing. Because he said so. <laughs> said, October of 2011 is when we bought it. <laughs> we and, met in September of 2011. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, October 2011, we bought this place. Yeah. And sold it just over two years later. And it sold in five days mm -hmm. at almost double mm -hmm. what we had paid for it. Yeah, and I remember that conversation too, because you're like, okay, can we sell our house and then go buy a house? How do we do this? And it was like, okay, we, well, there's, there's we a couple of We moved into an apartment. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that is, you know, and Ashley was pregnant with her second child. No, that was the second time I, it all, maybe we weren't. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was sell this, go into a you know an apartment. There's, go, there's housing find, everywhere. Go find a place. Go find a place. And then go find a place. Yeah. And we we ended up on a house that we had looked at it was out of our range, mm -hmm. single family, three bedroom, two bathroom in Fletcher Hills. It is adorable. It's built in '59. Mm -hmm. Have aluminum wiring in the bad panel. <laughs> um, you know, I I will say it was a pier and beam house. Yeah. And, you know, advice to anybody listening, if you have a house that you know you're gonna have plumbing problems with, 
buy a Purim bean because yeah. it's going to save you a ton of money. It's a lot less, it's a lot less to repair. <laughs> you, know, it really so you have a house you can crawl under like a car. Yeah. So Purim, um, so Purim bean was a raised foundation. So when you're talking about, when you're talking about that, you're talking about something where you don't have to jackhammer up a slab, right? In order to get to the plumbing. So just for people that are not familiar with what we're talking about, that's what we're talking about. And the reason why it's less money is because you can take up floorboards yeah. and you can get to the plumbing from under, maybe crawl space, whatever. You can actually get to the plumbing without having to jackhammer anything up. Yeah. So that's where the savings is basically yes. in terms of the expense. So, yeah. so, we we yeah. looked at this house and it was out of our range and the previous buyer's financing fell through. Yeah. And that listing agent said, hey, you still interested? Like, yep, out of the apartment, into the house. And we were there for five years, loved it. It was our family's home. And then, you know, it, the, the next decision was driven by interest rates. Yeah. That, you know, my wife's an accountant for um, a mortgage company, yeah. a large mortgage company based in Detroit. Um, and we saw the writing on the wall with these rates. And so, it was August of 2021, maybe 2020, August 2020. And we moved purely for interest rates. And I mean, values were up. So we made, you know, almost double again mm -hmm. and moved out of that one. You and I talked about the rates. And then we moved into a, uh, a rental home that our church owns. Mm -hmm. Um, and we planned on being there for 30 days. So, I mean, it looked like college. We were living out of bags with mattresses yep. on the floor. Yep. Kids were doing that at home school. Um, pandemic, you know, middle of it. And we're in 888 square feet mm -hmm. in Claremont mm -hmm. with three bedrooms and one bathroom and five people. Right. And we were going to be there for a month and uh, 120 days later. <laughs> Because yeah. because we had never had to deal with a inventory issue yeah. Yeah. where there was um, there were low interest rates, prices had not fully exploded, mm -hmm. and we weren't as smart as we thought we were. Well, there were other people that were being well advised. Yeah. As well. I mean, the thing, well, the thing is, everybody during the shutdown was crawling the walls. Yes, right. And I remember the conversation we had about Ashley's not ever going to work in the office again. Correct. She really needs her own office. Mm -hmm. And so that is a need more than anything else, yeah. right? But everybody else was having the same situation. Mm -hmm. They were when when the when the shutdown actually stopped, the people were busting out. They were right. absolutely climbing the walls, and everything that they owned and or rented was too small. It just was too small for them. And so they made themselves a promise that when the when the when the lockout when the when the shutdown was over. They were going to get out and man, did they ever. They got out in there like it was like there was no tomorrow. Yeah. And Alan we, Nevin called it a tidal wave. Well, I mean, the or tsunami, agent, actually. The, the agent that we were working with at the time, and I mean, we love them, um, they were cold calling, they were knocking. Mm -hmm. And at one point, we were getting desperate being in that, you know, that rental property that there was a, a person in the neighborhood that had, you know, waffled on, am I going to list it or not? And our agent at the time walked up and went, my name is so-and-so. I have a written offer for your home for this much money in this closing day. Mm -hmm. We had not seen the inside of this house. Mm -hmm. We did not know who this individual was. And I mean, we went past the step of the letter, the email, the call, mm -hmm. to we wrote up a binding offer mm -hmm. and said, will you sell it to us? Yeah. 
And they said, no. And it was just one of those, you know, moments of, you know, what are we doing mm -hmm. that this is absolutely crazy. And, and then we were able to get onto a house that it needed some love. Mm -hmm. um, it was a remodel on top of a remodel on top mm -hmm. of a remodel. So, um, you know, you walk a lot of houses. Mm -hmm. We had walked a lot of houses at that yeah. time. And we're able Too many to, at that point, right? We're able to walk in there and, you know, kind of cut through the crap and say, you know, we can, this will be perfect for our family. And it has been. Yeah. So, and now interest rates are where they're at. And we're like, we're good. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding, man. You know. You're in good, you're in a good place right well, now. I mean, you know, again, with the, the interesting thing about San Diego, you have so many folks that are, you know, either empty nesters or retirees. Mm -hmm. That are in five bedroom, twenty five hundred square foot, three thousand square foot houses. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how I describe all the Park Village over yeah. at yeah. this point. That that it's folks that bought their houses, raised their families, mm -hmm. and they're not. You can't afford to downsize. It right. doesn't make sense. So well, not right now, anyway. No, so stay there, and you know, you're the expert on this. Stay there, right. pay your electric bill, and write it out. Call exactly. It exactly. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for doing this. This oh, well, has been you. so this much fun. fun. So, is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? No, I mean, just that, you know, I love San Diego. Yeah. It's an interesting place. Having the benefit of living other places, yeah. working other places. Um, you know, I think it's something that there's not a whole lot of native San Diegans. I For think sure. a lot of people are either brought here through industry or the military and they, they end up here. Yeah. And, or they come back here. And so I, I you know, I've, I've moved to San Diego now three times. Mm -hmm. If I ever leave, I'm just getting a storage unit because I know I'm going to be back. Right. And so I think, you know, watching this community grow, watching, you know, downtown change, watching Mission Valley change. Mm -hmm. I mean, every time I drive past Savita over here, yeah. I was like, where did that come from? Exactly. Um, you know, I forget that we have a new stadium, mm -hmm. you know. Um, watching the Gaylord project going up down in Chula Vista. Mm -hmm. San Diego 20 years from now, if they get the Midway project up off the ground, it's going to look different. It's yeah. going to feel different, but I think it's still going to maintain that, you know, everybody has a small town, yeah. you know, that, that when you say, where am I from in San Diego, you know, that it's, it's Sarah Mesa, it's mm -hmm. Kearney Mesa, um, it's Claremont Mesa. It's all of the mesas. My <laughs> community, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and there's pride in that. And and the other thing that I think is interesting is, you know, how much neighborhoods have changed and shifted over the years. Um, you know, when Ashley and I first met, we used to go to this church, uh, El Cajon Boulevard Church of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, which was right there, El Cajon Boulevard near Texas Street. Mm -hmm. Mid nineties, mm -hmm. that neighborhood was was much different than it is now. And mm -hmm. you drive through there, and you're like, "Where, where did this investment come from? Mm -hmm. Like, what was it the is uh, it the chicken pie shop? Uh, they built a building around, mm -hmm. and it's like, wow, this this entire community's changing. I, I'm not, I'm not the one to say if it's for the better or for the worse. Yeah. Parking situations for the worse. Yeah, parking is for the worse <laughs> for sure. The city of San Diego. Needs to pull her head out and uh, build housing with parking. Yeah, okay. Um, 
But, and everything else was parking too, by the way. So fix Balboa Park. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot of, of just change that's going around that is both perceived and visual. And right. I mean, the, the, the entire area is changing for probably the next hundred years. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. I love you, buddy. Thank you. Good to have you. Love you too. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.